listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location from Cinema Jaw Studios in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is... Rye the Movie Guy, and sitting to my left is... Phil Me and Phil. Hello, hello, hello. This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, two big reviews, right? Yeah, we got Pixar's new one, Elemental, and the new DCEU movie, The Flash. Those are two very big reviews. The other big news, you mentioned it right at the top... Cinema Jaw Studios? Yeah. What are you talking about, Matt Kay? Uh, we've got a new studio. So we're no longer at Ryan's house. We're no longer at Cards Against Humanity. I would put this right in between Cards Against Humanity and your house. Right, right. But it's definitely a step up. Yeah, I agree. 100%. This is a, a nice little space that we have here, and we're able to talk to each other with a large table. I can look clearly to my left and see Phil. You know, we're not at my little dining room table. I don't got to worry about Matt leaving the toilet seat up at my house. It, Why would I have to worry about that? You're you're also a guy. You I know, I, but everything you do in my house drives me nuts. You're, you're leaving your beer you, cans you, everywhere. Do you put the toilet seat down? I always do, yeah. Why? Because I, I like it. I like things tidy. You're crazy. No. But anyways, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. We're in a pretty cool spot here, Matt. This I know. is this pretty is nice. Neat. Hey, yeah. We got we got beers, we got Phil. We could have a guest in here. I agree. I'm excited. We are we're, on the up and up. We're we could have multiple Cinemajaw. guests. Yeah, we could. We're going to get Cinema Job posters up on the walls. And it sounds very nice. It's very nicely. Yeah, this is good. This is very good. Um, besides the two big reviews, we decided to do something different this week, Jawheads. We're calling it Best Worst Episode. I like it. Right? Everything that we're going to talk about, uh, when it comes to The Flash, we're going to give you our pick for Best and Worst DCEU film. When we do Elemental, our Best Worst Pixar film. And because we're celebrating Jennifer Lawrence this month, our Best Worst Jennifer Lawrence picks. And we got some feedback with that as well. We should do this Best Worst thing... Every so often. Every so often. It's mm -hmm. a pretty good idea, right? I like it. I like it. No guests this week, Matt, so we are playing Stump the Gabinski. The topic is just Flash. Flash movie trivia. All right. It's it's a wild card. I'm letting you know right now. We'll see where that goes. Yes. Hey, can I take Phil on soon? It's yeah. been a long time since, you know. I'll I've, write some trivia for you guys. Cracks knuckles, because I'm pretty sure I still have our infamous trophy. I am undefeated. I don't know what you're talking about. Phil. Every time I, you were undefeated. you were undefeated against Elias. Yeah, <laughs> different producers have different reigns. I don't think I've ever been beaten. Oh my! Goodness. I mean, outside of our guests. Oh my goodness! Here it comes. Undefeated on the show. Unbelievable. We should go at it once in you know. We should. Yeah. At some I'm not going to be able to write these questions. You, you're putting way too much. Also, that's AI. the problem. We'll have to ask AI we, you to know, write my, some trivia questions for us. My sister did. Offer to do this. She's oh, a big movie. Uh, no, buff. no, no. We're not having another Kabinsky involved I, I, she's, she's, in movie trivia. She's not a Kabinsky. No. She's not a Kabinsky. She used to be a Kabinsky. She, she was born a Kabinsky. She is no longer. <laughs> but no, seriously, I think she would be an impartial uh, fan of film that could write some trivia for us. She's I'll give it some expressed thought. interest. I'll give it some All thought. All right. All right. Let's kick this thing off. Let's do it. With a Jennifer Lawrence fact. Yes. Uh, so. You guys remember last week's fact? Uh, she would Jennifer would show up to the Hunger Games set wearing her makeup from the day before. We were talking about how Jennifer is just like down to earth, and that's like a normal like it's a little icky, but it's like a very human thing to do. I'm 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 beginning to think maybe Jennifer Lawrence is just gross, uh, and I mean this with love. I mean this with love, and I'm not saying I'm that's not me putting myself above Jennifer, but this week's fact. For, for The Winter's Bone, Jennifer Lawrence was nominated for an Oscar for this film. 
The producers originally did not give her the part because they thought she was too pretty. Uh, but Jennifer Lawrence fought for this role, and she got on a red-eye flight to New York, showed up to casting sweaty and with a runny nose, hair that hasn't been washed in a week, and she got this role. And I don't know if that's super method or if it's just a little icky and stanky, whatever. I'm here for it. I'm not. This is not a dig. Those sound like pejoratives when they're not. I love it. I do too. I, I like. You know what? She's she's uh, she's a bit of a. I, I don't want to say a dirt bag. That's way too strong. She's just not like all prim and prissy and like, you know, I I never even leave my house without makeup on. She's just a normal person. This is what I do. And I'm I'm not auditioning for anything. That's what I did to show up here. And we know, Phil. I I think the key is here is that Winter's Bone was, you know, taking place in this rural area. It was, uh, you know, she was very poor. Right. So it fit the role. I I, I see where the producers and, and they were looking at her and thinking like, well, I don't think you really fit this character. And then when she came and she was sort of a mess, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe we got something here. Yeah. Because she cleans up really good. She does. But when she's just being Jennifer Lawrence laying around the house, she can play those like, you know, sort of dirtbag roles. Oh, man. You love this dirtbag word. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just can't think of a better term for it. But you know what I mean. Mm. Human. Right. Normal. You know? She seems like she would just be a normal person at at a poker table. Agree. You know? I mean, that, that's why she's the best in those any type of talk show interview. Everybody loves her because she does come across so natural and goofy, and and she's not one of those person that, like that's a list. Yeah, like she's even though she is, she's oh, she's totally a list, but she's she's not worried about looking bad or goofy. Right. You know, it's not a persona. It's no. not a front. It's yeah. Just, that's who she is. Yeah. Or at least so it seems. I, I forget who it is, but they're like on the red carpet at one point and uh, she goes to kiss one of the people, like another girl um, on the cheek, you know, like a kind of cordial thing. But she turns and they end up sort of like kissing really on quick the on the lips and she's like stunned how how we would be on the red carpet, you know, like, oh my God, I just kissed so-and-so, you know, and she just goes right back into the interview and we love her for that kind of stuff. Yeah, she's you know? she's great. I do love her for that kind of stuff. So continuing on with Jennifer Lawrence, Phil, I hope you got this because I, I sent you a, a, a message there to also do best worst on Jennifer Lawrence. I, I hate picking a worst, but this is a job we got to do sometimes. Let's kick it off over by Matt. What'd you go with for best and worst Jennifer Lawrence movies? Okay, for my best Jennifer Lawrence movie, I go to the one that I've seen the most times. I think she's absolutely a fireball in American Hustle. You can argue that it's not her best role. She was nominated for this one. And I just think it encapsulates everything we just talked about. Because she's kind of this this um, New Jersey housewife who's a bit of a like a moron, <laughs> you know, who, who gets into all kinds of trouble. She's clearly a little crazy, you know, like probably someone you don't want to get mixed up with. But uh, Christian Bale's character loves her. She's his his baby mama. Her character's hilarious. Like, I love spending time with that character because I've known that character in my life, you know? I, I just think she she nails it. She's great. What about you? I also went with American really? Hustle for the best. I'm surprised. And it, partly because I think she does drama really well. So, I mean, if, if somebody is going to mention, like, Silver Lines Playbook or we're going to go, there's some great roles that she has. Yeah, but that's I, where I, I thought you would I go. I love the humor in her as well. That's why I'm, I'm looking so forward to No Hard Feelings, which is her new movie coming out later this month. 
I think she does comedy really well, and I think American Hustle actually shows both sides of that. You know, it's it's a drama kind of movie. She's yeah. definitely the funny person in the film. But she's the comedic relief in a lot right. of scenes. But the whole movie's comedy. But it's great all around. So I actually want American Hustle for my pick as well. Phil, Phil where'd you go? I did do Silver Linings myself, uh, and right similar. I think it's the best at reflecting her dynamic with. Uh, Bradley Cooper. Thank you. With Bradley Cooper, uh, I think they have the best chemistry in that film, obviously, because they it's, do. that's more of the central theme of that whole movie. Um, but yeah, I think of all those, of the three films that they were like, that was their films, more or less. I, it's my favorite of hers, too. And, and I do think, maybe for the exact opposite reason of you two, where not that she isn't good, not that she isn't affable and likable in her like sillier roles but i just think i I tried to separate it like this okay we're not doing the ones i like the most we're doing best Mm. oh and that's where i I stood i went a different direction i like the the one i like the most (laughs) which you think could be the best definitely so let's turn the table and say worst where'd you go with worst man this will be interesting no it's really obvious x-men apocalypse that movie is just a freaking train wreck it is absolutely unwatchable I don't think anybody would argue that point with me. So Apocalypse is the second one that she was in, correct? I think it might be the third one no, she was I in. No, I think Dark Phoenix. Oh, Mm-mm. Dark Phoenix was fourth? It was first class. Uh, what was the... Uh, second class. No. no. I'm just kidding. The Striker one. Throw it in the fish tank. Throw it in the fish yeah, tank. All of the movies, X-Men movies she was in. I'm under the impression it was the second one. that I'm pretty sure it's the third, and then she's been in a total of four. Oh, Days okay. of Future Past. That, I okay. don't even have to look so, it up. Days yep. of Future Past was second. But so do you look it up right. just to be okay, just sure, to be clear? Sure, but sure. I, you are right. Then there are four because I forgot about Days of Future Past. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I don't know for a fact that she's in that one. But anyway, X Men Apocalypse sucks. It is just absolutely goofy and terrible in all the worst ways. Not was, like goofy. Is fun. that the one that focused on Storm quite a bit? I think so. I mean, I've stricken it from my memory. Okay. It's it's when Apocalypse comes back from like ancient times, and he's this uh, mutant who has like world-ending powers, and of course the X Men get together and and defeat him. I, what I remember the most boring. was uh, Jennifer Lawrence won the Oscar for Silver Linings Playbook. She was already involved in this X Men series, and then the next film really focused on her character. And it it's totally one of those moves where it's like, oh, oh we got something here. Yeah. Oh, we have this girl under a contract. Let's make her the star all of a sudden. She, I mean, she she came out, and this doesn't usually happen either. She came out so so white hot, and she's had staying power. Usually, they burn bright and they burn out. But Jennifer Lawrence, that has not been the case. But she had the the Hunger Games, Silver Linings, X Men. Yeah, she was American like, Hustle. Right, it just so, kept going. Yep. For my worst, I went with a, a film we reviewed here on Cinema Jaw. I think you saw it, or it might have just been me. Uh, 2016's Passengers. No, I didn't see it. Okay, so I know I reviewed it here on on the podcast, and I remember being so excited for this film when I saw the trailer come out. It's uh, Jennifer Lawrence, obviously, and Chris Pratt. Right, Star-Lord. Yes, and he was hot at the time. Sure. Still is, but I mean, he's cooled off a little bit, his career. But he was red hot coming off of a couple of hits. And uh, the premise is that they wake up on a spaceship, and they're the only two people that wake up early on the spaceship that is carrying humans in who are hibernating, if you will, off to who knows where. And these two wake up, and 
that's supposed to be the mystery. I was like, oh man, this, I'm so in. You got you know, right. You love a good sci-fi space right. movie, and it was a complete letdown. The mm. action was dull. Everything was just subpar about the whole entire film. The script, everything. So Passengers for me was probably the biggest letdown. I figured that's where you would go of a Jennifer Lawrence. How about you, Phil? So this is going to be a controversial opinion, and I am. To be fair, I haven't seen all of the, I did not see the Space One Passengers. I did not see the bad X-Men films. Mm-hmm. What I have seen and did not like was the first Hunger Games film. So that's what I put. Really? I hated it. I think the wow. pacing is bad. I think, it, for me as somebody who didn't read, I don't read but books. But Lenny Kravitz, come on, man. I don't read books. So you're already on a bad foot because it's like, not my domain to begin with. You don't read then, any books? No. Oh, come on, Phil. We got to <laughs> no. get No. I don't like reading. It makes me feel dumb. That's not the point. Uh, and then I also thought like, I, and to be fair, I think this is a tough kind of like conversation because at some at some points I, I did think she probably did a, as good a job as she could with what she was given, but I think that they don't, I think they expect you to know the source material with that film more. I remember when that film came out, the ex I was dating at the time loved the books, and we went and saw it, and I left, and I was like, what the hell is this? It's just this? a ripoff of Battle Royale. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. But I, I, I didn't know anything, a and I, felt, poppy, I was like, though. this doesn't, Definitely. none of this means anything to me. Although, now that I want, if I, if I you know, put on my 30-year-old glasses and think about it from the lens of current Phil, it's like, but that's yesterday's makeup, and that might change something. So, <laughs> there you go. We threw this question out onto our social medias to get some uh, feedback, and we did get some responses here, Matt. Up first, I have Elliot Serrano, who Ooh, is, yeah. uh, appeared here on the podcast. Yes. And Chicago's Elliot, Geek King. Elliot goes with uh, Jennifer Lawrence's best. He says, as an interviewee on Between Two Ferns, and I've actually heard this other places at least people referring to how good she is on Between Two Ferns. I've never really seen uh, too many of these. I've only, like... I've gone down that rabbit hole you a have. few times. So oh, I've yeah. only picked and, and chose a, you know, a couple of these. Obviously familiar with uh, Zach Galifianakis's show, but I've never seen the Jennifer Lawrence one. Uh, has me interested. Check yeah, that out. I'm going to check that one out, too. He actually lists her worst as American Hustle. Ooh, Elliot, what? you are out of your mind. Out of your mind. Uh, okay, I got one from Don Shanahan, who's also been on the show. Best, he goes with Winter's Bone. Fair pick. I mean, she that's the one she won the Academy Award for. No. No? No. She won for Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, you're right. But she was in. She nominated. was nominated for in Winter's Bone. her first Bone. role. Oh, yeah, and that was, I mean, not her, maybe her first, but I mean, nobody knew her who she was. First yeah. big role. Nobody knew who she was at that point. Uh, worst, Don goes with Dark Phoenix, mm. which it's really a toss-up between Dark Phoenix and Apocalypse, in my right. opinion. What what happened with me with Dark Phoenix? I'm not a big X Men fan to begin with, and oh, I, I didn't catch this until it was on Disney Plus, and by then, just so many bad reviews, bad reviews, bad reviews that I actually didn't think it was all that bad. You know how that can oh, happen? Oh sure, yeah, because you're at home, yeah. you're going in with tiny and I'm like, expectations. Well, geez, this is supposed to be an absolute turd. And then I put it on, I'm like, hmm, wasn't all that bad? It was okay, you know. <laughs> wow, so maybe I should watch it again. I got another one from uh, Jawhead Darren Mordecai from New Zealand over the pond. Um, best, he goes with American Hustle. He says American Hustle rates, especially amongst a heavy cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Totally. I mean, she wasn't alone on that cast. Like heavy, heavy hitters. And then worst, he goes with Dark Phoenix. 
pretty much rubbish. It really is, Rye. I don't I don't know. Even at home with a couple of beers, it's it is a turd. I just like that Darren says rubbish. That's awesome. Uh, one more we heard on Twitter. Erin Schmelling, she likes to write in on the jaw. She says, not sure on her worst, but the best, I think, is a toss-up between the Hunger Games series and Silver Linings Playbook. Her appearance on TV yeah. before she was famous ends up in my head like playing a mascot in an episode of Monk. Had no idea she was ever on the show Monk. Me neither. Whoa. In the episode of Medium she appears in. Wow. Had no idea that she was on Medium either. So. I did hear today, I was like l- researching for our facts, and, and I don't think we'll use this fact, that she was on um, some MTV show called My Sweet 16. My Super Sweet 16? Yeah, she was on that. She, she had a Super Sweet 16? Wow. I guess so. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We're learning so much about J-Law. Yes. That show's a train wreck, and I love it. That's from the golden era of MTV where everything's trash. I'm so interested now. That's the entire era of MTV. This is great. Jennifer Lawrence month off to a a fun start. Agree. Yes. Let's move things along, Matt. I don't know about you, but it seems like the Flash movie has been in the news and or talked about for the better part of five years. First, it was the development of the project. Then the focus was on Ezra Miller and their wild antics. And then finally, to being called the greatest comic book movie of all time by none other than James Gunn. I want to say up top, I am only focusing on the movie at hand here. Don't expect me to dive into any Ezra Miller commentary other than their performance in said film. Does The Flash run circles around other comic book movies? Matt K and I hit the theater to find out. So you're saying you could travel back in time? The Bruce. I can fix things. I can save people. I can save my mom. I can save your parents. You can also destroy everything. I love you, Bob. I love you too. The DCEU never really hit the high notes the studio was hoping for. Don't get me wrong, there are some highlights, but DC's Elseworld films like The Joker and Robert Pattinson's The Batman have been the major success stories for DC. One of the highlights in the 2017 DCEU film Justice League was The Flash, played by Ezra Miller. Six years later, we finally get a standalone film for his character, Barry Allen. The plot sees Barry use his speed to go back in time to change an event that has haunted him his whole life. The problem with messing with things in the past? Well, they change future events in ways you cannot foresee. The net result is another trip into the multiverse with various characters from past comic book films coming back to the big screen. Matt, while watching this film, I actually felt a little multiverse fatigue setting in. How about you? Yeah, this when the multiverse is done well, it's fun, but we've been getting it a lot. It seems like almost every blockbuster, after everything, everywhere, all at once, maybe it's enough. I I loved Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but this movie is the monkeys to the Spider-Verse's Beatles. You know what I'm saying? It's And listen, I love the monkeys, and I did have a little bit of fun with this movie, Like, but it's saccharine. It's it's artificial. It's just not as good as the real thing. This is nothing, nowhere, 
never at all. <laughs> it, it's it's a total letdown. What I, what I feel is a very much how it felt when uh, the DCEU was even announced and they were like playing catch up to Marvel who was trying to connect this whole universe. It felt like... Not DC, trying, they did. Right. It felt like DC was... Playing catch up. Yeah, playing catch up and they were like, you know, running behind schedule. And that's how it feels with the multiverse. And, and we're still there. Right? right? All of a sudden now the multiverse is the hot thing. And it's like it's like here comes the flash right behind the actual prime time of when they should have been. Right. And he's the flash. Isn't and he's that the ironic? Flash. Right. It, it it should have been one of the first, but all of the delays with the Flash, it took so long to get made and all the stories, you know, of the problems with the development. And next thing you know, we're watching a movie that already feels like tired as far as the plot goes with the multiverse. And we just saw Across the Spider-Verse, which did it way better. Way better. So the timing for them to talk about the, the multiverse was just off. Off, for Very sure. Very much so. So we're, we're, we're in agreement there. Um we are not going to spoil all the surprises in The Flash because there are some that are, are very fun uh, fan service moments. But one that we can talk about here, and we, we have to, is Michael Keaton as Batman. He is in all the promos, so there's no spoiler there. Right, he's Michael on the Michael Keaton comes back as Batman, and he's an older Batman in Barry's alternate future. This was a great treat for fans, very much like me, of Keaton's Batman now, Matt, what did you think of seeing Keaton as Batman one more time? And I also think this is actually a good time. Uh, we briefly talked about this coming out of the screening. This is a good time to talk about this sort of, uh, let's say, subpar CGI effects that were used, especially during some key Batman scenes. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how those two things dovetail, but we'll go with it. Keaton is probably, not probably, he's easily the best part of the movie. And I would be down for another... Full Batman movie with oh, Keaton. Really? Yeah. Like, there is a Frank Miller story called The Dark Knight Returns, which is one of the seminal, celebrated, put-on-a-pedestal Batman books of all time. And it's never been done. Batman comes back in his 50s or even 60s to, to, to fight for Gotham City one more time. So he's been gone for years kind of deal. Pieces of it are, are in other movies, but Dark Knight Returns has never been done. Put Keaton in that movie and you're going to have a line around the block. I guarantee. Um, so let's talk about the CG. First of all, the visualization of the multiverse. And again, this goes back to Spider-Verse doing it so well. Here we get these ham-fisted globes. What was that? Like, they're literally worlds colliding, and on the globe you see, like, like film strip repetition of, like, other characters or scenes. It's It, it looks stupid. Stupid. Right. So so I'm sure a lot of people listening to this saw this across the Spider-Verse movie where it actually had such a cool aesthetic when they were actually talking about the multiverse and they were talking about the canon moments that take place. And you saw sort of like uh, almost like a spider web done. Right. At, which fits. Which fits. And then inside you would have these sort of like connecting moments, these quote unquote canon moments, and you would see uh, various characters saying goodbye to loved ones, moments that we know in the Spider-Verse that happen time and time again. It was beautiful. It was actually a highlight of the film. Right, and each each different universe has its own art style. And like, you know, when, when they're flipping through the different universes, you kind of feel like you know where you are. Whereas in The Flash, 
you get these these giant globes. It's like what am what am I looking at? It's just really uninspired. And and not only that, he actually moves the globes and everything spinning by running. Which you know, it's I, not like I, hamster yeah, wheel, right? But I guess that makes sense because it's the Flash. But it just looked kind of weird, right? Because he's running in place. It's almost like he's running on, you know, a, a treadmill, treadmill yeah. for instance. And that's he probably which he probably was. And that's powering the the multiverse because you know he's, you know, moving his legs. It's just a strange visual. So I agree with you. It, it probably wasn't the strongest way to represent the multiverse, but it was also a way that we could dive into those worlds and get a little bit of fan service and see some of the, the, the fun characters, I guess. Did I use Veggie Tales when I was describing a different movie's CG recently? I think so. Yes, you did. All right. it, and it was, I was uh, baffled by it then, and I'm baffled by it now. It was the one last week, Heroes yeah. of the Golden Mask, okay. I believe. Yeah, well, so, but that was an animated movie. This is a live action movie, and here we have VeggieTales again. <laughs> it is rubbery and glassy. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think Michael Shannon was in this movie. Like, physically, I don't think he was actually in it. The whole time Zod's got his helmet up, this isn't a spoiler. We know Zod's going to make an appearance. But I think maybe he recorded, he like ADR'd a few lines. Otherwise, he's not in the movie. I, I, I'm with you We're on getting that. to the Congress at this point. Right. They're, they're just superimposing his face on, on another actor's body more than likely. My biggest issue with the CGI is that that Batman and the thing that I loved about DC, and especially the old Batman, especially the Tim Burton ones, is that it didn't rely on... Heavy CGI. They didn't have it then. Well, yes, it was and, 1989. But even dude. go to the, the Christopher Nolan's. He, he goes very hard for practical effects because it is a, a superhero that's supposed to be in a bat street suit level, and street yeah. level, and so you don't have these like mega, you know, crazy visual effects at the end. And if anything, a lot of people like myself knock Marvel for for the end of those movies. Wonder Woman had it, for instance, with with DC, yeah. right? But it seemed like every Marvel movie had to have this big, spectacular CGI moment at the yeah. end, and that gets very tiresome. Okay, but Batman, the character of Batman, almost was the anti that. It, it you weren't going to have a ton of CGI in a Batman movie. It it needs to be done at certain points, but it isn't going to be the focal point. Here, Batman in his big action sequence in the desert. We know it's Michael Keaton and he's older Batman, so if anything, he should be moving slower. And he was flying around like Neo in The Matrix 2. <laughs> you know that scene where he takes on like 100 Mr. Smiths in, in The Matrix? Yeah. And it looks like you can tell it's clearly not. I actually thought that was pretty amazing the first time I saw it. But it, go back and watch it now and I it know, looks like, I have. Uh, what do you call it, VeggieTales? VeggieTales. And I'm like, oh my God, this it's looks not like VeggieTales. But... Batman, it just looked phony because it, he was moving way too fast. He was he was discarding these uh, criminals way too easily. But Ryan, he's Batman. But it, it didn't fit. That's not the Batman I know is my point. I didn't have a problem with that. I don't know. For me, that, that bothered me there. All right. The other character we get here, not a surprise and we can ruin, is Supergirl is in the film. Also on the poster. Right, is on the poster. So we can discuss Supergirl, and I I can't discuss her because I know nothing about the character. So I hope you do, Matt. How did you think of uh, Supergirl? Well, first of all, I'm surprised. You you never watched the 80s movie Supergirl? Never. Really? Never saw it. Such a big fan of Superman and all those Christopher Reeve films. Right. You, You never checked out the 80s one? Never saw it. I'm here to tell you, man, it's a weird, wild ride, and it's probably worth a spin. Is it great? I don't know. It's campy as hell, and it's fun. I I really enjoyed the 80s uh, Supergirl movie. 
The Supergirl in this film is great. What's the actress's name? Callie. Sasha Callie. Sasha Callie. I thought she was fantastic. Underused. Mm-hmm. So criminally underused. Doubt this passes the Bechdel test or even approaches it, frankly. So other than that, like the scenes that she's in are good. They they underuse her, and I, I will just say that the culmination of her arc is less than satisfying to me. It was it was really shoehorned in, which is a shame because I thought her character was extremely compelling. I, I think they had too much going on to give her much of an arc, right? I mean, but, the- but you say that, but then you look at a Guardians of the Galaxy where every character gets a satisfying arc it can be done true so it just wasn't here right i i will say i was hoping that maybe this is going to spin off into some type of supergirl either series or doesn't, show doesn't look that way well we'll see but yeah. i mean she was pretty excellent and very uh she really controlled the screen when she was on like you were like well who the hell is this for sure i mean but any, this is fantastic any kryptonian you know? should you know yeah all right another highlight for me is ezra miller and again not going to talk about off screen uh, off screen antics dual performance for from ezra miller when the flash goes into the multiverse and changes things he goes back into time and another universe and another barry allen who at the time has not turned into the Flash is who he meets when he comes back into the uh, the universe. The berries together, the two of them, are hilarious. And I thought Ezra did a fine job giving both of them their own unique personality. Your thoughts on Ezra Miller? I like the performance. Well, there's a reason that the studio took, uh, the Warner Brothers took a gamble on Ezra Miller despite their antics, as you put it at the top. They're a good actor. Uh, extremely good, I would say. And um, yeah, I enjoyed the dual role playing. And it's probably fair to say that those scenes carry the movie over the finish line for me, just barely. But they they do. I mean, especially when you think about the more ridiculous moments, um, like I I don't want to spoil anything. So I'll just say the transformation, like how that goes down. Boy, it's very toxic Avenger and, and very corny and stupid. And if it was that easy to become the Flash, why aren't there thousands of Flashes running around? Honestly. It's a head scratcher. It's 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 a real like 1.21 gigawatts kind of thing. <laughs> I, I even joked, is it the same bolt of lightning that sended Marty McFly back to the future, the bolt of lightning that created the Flash? Yeah, and we get we do get some back to the future oh, references. 100%. They should have leaned into that. That was funny. I mean, there was a, a, a very funny uh, returning joke Don't that they spoil go it. to. Yeah. I won't. That it has to do with Back to the Future. I enjoyed all of that, and the the vibe had Back to the Future vibes in in the film. When he comes back into the universe with the other Barry, it does have this kind of Marty McFly, you know, meeting his parents. It does in the fifties. I mean, it does feel that way. So right, then they go to the under the sea dance. And... <laughs> yeah, but all of that I enjoyed. I thought uh, both Ezra Miller's on the screen. I agree. A lot of times that that joke is played. For the first five minutes, it works. In this case, I thought the two berries on screen for the entire movie was great. It was shocking that they could carry it that long, but it worked. I agree. And here's what I'll say uh, to put to put a check mark in Ezra Miller's Ezra Miller's column. I never, for a moment, thought to myself, "Those are the same." That's the same guy twice. I agree. I I always thought that is two different people on screen. 
and it, it worked for me hundred yep. percent. And that's that is definitely to their credit. Yep. The hair was different, but it's the personalities right. that Ezra gave these characters. So hats off to Ezra. They did a good job. Uh what else we got here? The film, I did want to say, comes out on a, at a sort of a strange time as James Gunn has taken over DC, as we know. And it seems to be the DCEU is dead or at least not going to be Gunn's main focus going forward. So where does this fit in? The ending of the movie, and I'm talking the very end, didn't give me much gratification. And that was an issue for me. I think it it didn't know itself how it should end because where are we with the DCEU? What do you think? This was the perfect opportunity to like create a big reboot. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's how it went in the comics. And it was squandered. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything. It's really hard to dance around this. So I'm just going to say, here was an opportunity to create the Gunniverse. And I don't think they did. We're going to get, it, it, it does appear we're going to get another DCEU proper film with yeah. the actors we know before Gunn gets his hands on anything. Right. Interesting. But definitely left me out on, on, on a bit of a, sour note for as much as I, I actually liked the movie, but I, I did feel like it just didn't have closure or something. It just needed something more at the end of the movie. Yeah. And that the, the tag scene was a little lackluster. Mm. Yeah. The, Matt's referring to the very, very end post credit scene. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not very good. Let's talk jaw dropping moments here, Matt. Let's do it. I have two. Okay. All right. I do love, as I mentioned, when the flash changes the past and he goes back into the future or, current time is what he thinks and he realizes oh and Biff owns a casino (laughs) and yeah and he realizes oh my god there's hoverboards no he realizes that there's another Barry in the universe the moment that it's all clicking for him uh, he's talking to his parents and it's it's clicking for him that oh my god there's going to be another Barry here and and we're realizing this right at the same exact time and then he runs outside of the house you know in Flash style, you know, just zips by, and he tackles the other Barry. From that point to the point where the two Ezra Millers are yelling at each other in the bedroom and going over all the stuff, I thought that was the high point of the movie. I was like, yes, this is clicking on all cylinders. This is awesome Flash. So that would be my number one. I don't know what yours is, so I don't want to spoil if I have one other one, but what what's yours? The Batcave. Ooh, this is a good one. I mean, I got chills, and... This was the highlight in what was otherwise kind of a lackluster movie for me. But when you hear the theme, that Warner Brothers Batman music come up, and you see the lights popping on, it was straight out of the 89 Burton movie. And the bats are flying around overhead, and you see the original Batmobile. Oh, that's the, awesome. The Bat computer, uh, even the Bat wing. We see a lot of his toys. Mm-hmm. Man, that brought me back. That, that was, was fun. But that was fun. Very fan servicey, but it was cool. Yep. My my other one, I'm, I'm going to dance around spoilers here, is the big emotional scene uh, with Ezra Miller at the very end. Uh, we'll say with his with his parents in in a particular spot, and it was awesome. I'm trying to think of what, about what you're talking about. Uh, very end of the movie. It's it's oh. it's a great one. Okay. So, very emotional. For for these superhero movies, a lot of times I don't feel the emotion, but I actually felt it here. It worked for me. All right. Movie poster quote, Matt? I went with, there is a universe in which The Flash isn't a total letdown. 
but this ain't it. <laughs> I went with a fun DCEU flick that comes a little too late. I guess you could say The Flash needed to be faster. It's good, but it's a little long. Mm. You know, you, mm. you give me crap about that. That's going to take up the whole bottom third. That is. That is a long quote, but that's my quote. How many Jaws, Matt K? Two. Mm. Strictly middle of the road, and I feel like I'm being generous. I am a full jaw above you. I'm at three wow. jaws for the you flash. You need three to check no yourself. No? What are you doing giving I this kind of it. crappy superhero movie three jaws? I would say this is top tier DCEU. That's a low bar. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. For DCEU, not DC films, but these. But you give top tier Marvel films like one and a half jaws. Oh. You like crappy movies no. now. Yes, you I do. I like The Flash. You are going to, you're going to be, trust me. All the other critics are going to think this movie's a total turd. We'll see. You'll be eating some we'll crow. We'll see. The Flash hits theaters June 16th everywhere. So. Check it out, Jawheads. When you do, let us know what you think. Shoot us a tweet at CinemaJaw or feedback, CinemaJaw.com. Before we go to break, though, best worst episode. That's what we're doing here, Matt. So we're, we're going toe-to-toe here. Best DCEU, worst DCEU. And I specified that this isn't DC films. Right. None of the extended universe, none of the animated films. Right. DCEU. Yeah. It's There's a shorter a, list. It is. There's only about... 12 or 16 films. God, is there that many? Maybe. Around um, that. Can we throw that in the fish tank? How many DCEU films are there? There is a Wikipedia page for it. I, I You frequented every day. No, I looked at it today for my best you worst You frequented list. every day. No, we I looked at it today for my best worst On list. your lunch break, you pull it up, you're like, oh, so what's I the just best? What's the best that DCEU flick? Wonder Woman. Hands down, Wonder Woman. It's a great, great movie. When she walks across no man's land and she's got the bracelets, you know, in slow motion deflecting bullets, that was a great movie. Crappy CG ending aside, like, I don't even remember that. Everything that led up to that was so good. Wonder Woman. How about you? So, in all fairness, I also had Wonder Woman listed as the best. That's fine. I want to give an honorable mention, though, because- That's what we do here. Uh, And that would be The Suicide Squad, the one directed by James Gunn. Yeah, that's good. And it's funny because I'm just going to start with my worst now. My worst is Suicide Squad. (laughs) The 2016 film Suicide Squad was just garbage. And none of the characters, I mean, again, they were always a step behind um, when it came to trying to do these uh, connected universes. They made it PG. They really screwed up. Uh, J- James Gunn had came out with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then all of a sudden we were getting the Suicide Squad, which seemed, I should say, Suicide Squad. Um, this is very confusing. One's called The Suicide Squad. That's the good one. But Suicide Squad came out, and I thought it was going to go for that same energy. I think that's what they were hoping for, and it was just a complete dud. I hated the movie. And... I thought, well, it's dead. That's why I'm so shocked with my honorable mention, The Suicide Squad, when James Gunn's like, yeah, I'm just going to call it basically the same thing and just redo what you guys didn't get right. And he makes a hilarious, great film that has starfish attacking major cities. Sharks ripping people in half. <laughs> it was incredible. That was a great movie. I that forgot was. about that one. Good good call. Good yeah. call. What's your worst? My worst is Justice League. Not the Snyder Cut, mind you. The original theatrical release cut of the Justice League. What a letdown. What a mess. What a total piece of crap. 
I mean, it's the Justice League. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman. It should have been amazing. It should have been like Super Friends, which everybody loved. Instead, it was a hot pile of puke, and it sucked. (laughs) No arguments here. I mean, there were a lot to choose from when you went with the worst. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Do you bleed? I mean, you can even make a case for the Superman movie, Superman v. Batman. Although I kind of liked Superman. You did. I did. You liked it. I did. But it was corny. Well, Jawheads, if you think we screwed up on the best worst DCEU films, let us know about it in that email. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, another big review. We have Elemental and our best worst Pixar movies. Phil's joining us with that one. Plus, Matt is going to play some Flash movie trivia. Stick with us. Hey, Jawheads. Jennifer Lawrence won the Academy Award for her role in Silver Linings Playbook. It's arguable which scene in particular got her the statuette, but this one's certainly in contention. Here she is, opposite Bradley Cooper, in the diner scene, which spills out into the street when he harasses her. How did I do? I think I did pretty well. Yeah, she said you were cool, basically. Basically? Was I some percentage not cool? No, she said you were cool, but, you know. No, I don't know. Sort of how you are. It's fine, relax. What do you mean, how am I? What's that? Sort of like me. Sort of like you? I hope to God she didn't tell Nikki that. Why? Because it... It's just not right lumping you and I together. It's... I mean, this is wrong, and Nikki wouldn't like that. Especially after all the shit you just told me. You think that I'm crazier than you. <laughs> because... Well, we're different, I mean. Oh, my God. Oh, you're killing me. You know what? Forget I offered to help you. Forget the entire fucking idea. Because that must have been fucking crazy. Because I am so much crazier than you. Keep your voice down. I'm just the crazy slut with a dead husband. <laughs> Forget it! Shut the fuck up. You Tiffany! Hey, Tiffany! Slow down, Raisin Bran. Hey, hey, come on. Look, I don't think you're crazy, all right? Yes, you do. No, you I don't. told your therapist that you were in a superior mental what? illness category and he didn't hear. Hey, calm down. Hey. Leave me alone. Can I just explain myself, please? I didn't want Nikki to think that I was associated with that kind of sexual behavior because I've never done anything like that, okay? You may not have experienced the shit that I did, but you loved hearing about it, didn't you? You are afraid to be alive. You are afraid to live. You're a hypocrite. You're a conformist. You're a liar. I opened up to you and you judged me. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. Get off me! Get off! You're harassing me! He's harassing me! And we are back on Cinema Jaw. Before we get to our elemental review and play some trivia, we threw a few items into the fish tank. Phil? 
Phil, are you there? Wait a moment. Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a second message. That means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Hello, thank you so much. It is so good to be out this week. What they don't tell you guys, right? We make this big announcement about getting a new office, and that means that they have to redo the water in my tank. I didn't know this, but they actually got a new fish bowl, and it's not the fish tank anymore. It's the fish bowl. It's way downside. I it's it's, fil- it's filtered water. It's it's cucumber flavored. It is great. It's actually LaCroix. Um, and so I'm hoping, I'm really betting a lot of money that the money that we're putting into this office doesn't cheap out and they're stopping to use LaCroix and, and switching to something like Polar or AHA because that would be bad for me. Well, hey, what's uh, wrong with AHA, man? They had Maya Rudolph in their commercials. <laughs> They got some money. Uh, we'll unpack that later. You know, you swim. You live in AHA. Then you talk to me, okay? I've been through it all. <laughs> <laughs> get Kirkland's, I'm going to get Kirkland's uh, brand sparkling water for Phil. I'm Kirkland's. Not, I'm not making a, a, a pig pen thing out of this. You guys are we're sticking to the – we're not changing the name either. Um, we had two two questions in here. Uh, the first one, what were the X-Men movies that featured Jennifer Lawrence? Uh, and it was four. We had X-Men First Class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, and Dark Phoenix in that order. I did. I pulled up some other facts on there as well since we kind of answered it off the cuff while we were discussing. Uh, and so... This series is so weird in the sense that I, I I didn't see the latter two, but I actually disagree. I pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes on all of these, and, and you can kind of see it go downhill. It's yeah, not the first pretty. one was great, and then nosedive. Okay, so X-Men First Class, 86%. Sure. Mm, Days, of, Days of Future Past, this is shocking to me. 90% that people think Days of Future Past is better than First Class is wild to well, me. People I, love their Wolverine. You I know? remember seeing both those in the theater and, and enjoying both of them. I know I saw one with Elias. I think they are both good, but First Class is awesome. Yeah, I agree. Uh, then Apocalypse at 65%, Phoenix at 64 So that Those that two are interchangeably 64 crap. for Phoenix? 64%. Oh, That's so, honestly kind of high. Yeah, I, I'm shocked. Shocked. And I did also look it up while I was at it. And the great news is all of these are streaming. Uh, The bad news news is different places. Uh, Really? Yes. First Class is through Stars. Uh, Days of Future Past is HBO Max. And then Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix are Disney Plus. They'll all be on Disney because they own Fox now. Eventually, yeah. But it makes sense, right? Like the nightmare that was the licensing of this franchise. That makes perfect. It does. It does. It fits the X-Men well. Yeah. That checks out. Uh, and then our second one, man, we're really comic booky today, huh? Uh, unintentionally so. This was not planned. How many DCEU films are there? Uh, Rise said is, 16, right? Well, I said, yeah, I said it's got to be between 12 and 16. I would say 10. This is like, I don't know how to answer this genuinely and honestly because it's a little controversial, at least in my opinion. I would give it 12.5. Oh, Harley <laughs> Quinn and the the Emancipation or Birds of Prey. No, those are in there. I count that as real. Oh, okay. That's what, definitely the, in. The That's reason I'm DCU. counting it as a point five is because we have two Justice Leagues, 
Oh, uh, the Snyder Cut. That 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 is its own film. I so agree. I mean, then. yes and no. If you count it as like entirely independent from the Joss Whedon Absolutely. cut, Absolutely. And I don't know if I. I mean, they're entirely different, but are they? And yes, yeah, they but are. No, I don't know. So there's 12, thirteen, including twelve or the thirteen. Cut. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So we kind of split the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I like. That's 12. why 5. I said twelve point five. Okay. Nice. Next week on the show, we are planning a review of Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's new movie. Well, it's going to be whimsical. Yes. And I'm not positive, but possibly, possibly no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. i got to look at the the dates of the screenings. It could work out. Yeah. We'll see. Definitely see an Asteroid City, though. We're in for that one. I'm definitely seeing no hard feelings, too. Oh, yeah. But I just don't know when we, when we see that and when we record. We'll figure that all out. Yeah, but we'll figure it that's out. That's what we're looking forward to. And we got Indiana Jones coming up, too. This Oof. It's this been is, a big summer. It has been already. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so that's everything, Phil? That's all we got, unless you want to throw something else at me in this bowl. Might happen. Speaking of big summers, Rye, yep. Pixar just dropped something. Absolutely. Yes, Pixar is still pumping out at least one movie a year, but it feels like a long time since we had a big, and I'm talking big, Pixar release in theaters. I loved Soul back in 2020, but that was released during the pandemic. We also have had Luca and Red released straight to Disney+. Plus. Lightyear last summer left a lot to be desired. You have to go back to June 2019. That was when Toy Story 4 came out for the last big theatrical Pixar release. So can Elemental reignite the fire for Pixar, or will it be met with a cold, strong wind? Matt, Phil, and I hit the theater to find out. Ember, you are the hottest girl I've ever seen. And you're the coolest boy I've ever seen, Wade. Welcome to Element City. Yo, 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 Ember. June Bloom is coming, and you just got to be my date. Sorry, buddy. I have a date with handsome guy. Check out who found the gift shop. Toot toot! Directed by Peter Son, the plot of the latest Pixar film, Elemental, reads like this. In a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together, a fiery young woman named Ember Lumen and a go-with-the-flow guy named Wade Ripple discover something elemental how much they actually have in common. The film has been in development for seven years. The big question is, does this feel like a major release from Pixar? Matt, I throw the question to you first. Yes, it does feel like a major release from Pixar. The visuals are there. In fact, many times during this movie, which we should tell the Jawheads, we just watched a few hours ago. Right. Right. We're still collecting our thoughts. We, no doubt. Less than an hour since we've seen the movie. I was taken aback at just how beautiful the visuals are. I mean, obviously with a movie about the elements, you've got to capture the air, the, the fire, the water, and the earth perfectly. And I think they did a pretty damn good job. The water looks fantastic. The, the fire, like you always see the heat ripples distorting what's behind it. Loved it. Great job. Um, the the whole world building of of the Element City, I thought was was really good. Is this as good as Inside Out? I don't think it is. I don't think that this is top top tier Pixar. But the middle tier is getting stacked, and this might be right at the top of the middle tier. This blows 
Turning Red, Luca, all the straight-to-DVD stuff that they've been doing lately, right out of the water, if you will. No pun. No pun intended. And it, it, it soars to the bottom, either the bottom of the top tier or the top of the middle tier. This is damn good Pixar, but their top tier is so strong, it's hard to break into. But I, I really enjoyed it, and I was quite impressed with this movie. Phil? I think... I have controversial opinions on this. Oh, Go ahead. Here I, it comes. I, I think that this is like firmly middle, if not lower middle tier Pixar. Okay. In the sense that um, there's this thing. If you, if you read into like the Pixar narrative as a studio, their whole philosophy has been like the what if of it all and, and trying to create this new imaginary idea, right? Like that's how they create the stories that they tell, or at least used to, and I don't feel like we got that. And I'm not trying to champion like the the previous right, the the original creative collective of Pixar. This was so creative, the new one. It what, but it missed. I think what I when we talk about the top tier Pixar, I don't think we've been seeing that since Inside Out. Maybe Coco can get thrown in there. Um, and I, I would argue Coco's maybe the bottom of the top tier, but but that like That's a fair this, argument. This could have been an Illumination movie. <laughs> this could have been a, a Disney animation movie. This could have been somebody else in my eyes. And, and that what if element of it DreamWorks. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it it doesn't have like the Pixar brand, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I think that's a fair point. I mean, we, we go back to uh, Inside Out a lot. We've talked about our, our admiration it's, it, for it's, the movie. It's, it's the it's, benchmark. It's, yeah, it's it's incredible. But the idea was, when you went into Inside Out, you didn't think it was going to be that good. You thought like, oh, okay, I get what they're doing. Uh, it looked it's, like a kid's movie. Yeah, like, oh, I got it. They're, they're talking about, you know, the, the different... Uh, Right, emotions. Emotions of, of the kids. Yeah, all right, I got it. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. And then I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out in the movie yeah. theater. And I'm, like, yeah. and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> they nailed something way stronger than I thought was possible. So I'm with Phil on this. It doesn't hit that mark. For no. me, I, which I if I'm throwing a dart, it's right in the middle of the, the middle tier. I thought The middle of the middle. Yeah, middle of the middle tier. I think this is a, a solid outing. I do think this is a major release by Pixar, which felt good seeing it. And I hope... People do go see it in the theater because I will say it looks spectacular on the big screen. The colors look absolutely fantastic. Uh, the animation was was great, but I do think it was missing that little extra, uh, let's call it Pixar magic that would have that something that I wouldn't have thought about that would have been implemented into the movie that would have elevated it to like, oh my god, this is top tier Pixar. That's missing. It's it's pretty on the nose of what this is uh, representing. I mean, it's a love story. It's an immigrant story. We can see that. But it, it's missing that 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 magic that Pixar had in the other films that were, as a, as a critic or as a moviegoer, I wasn't ever thinking I was going to experience in the theater, and somehow they laced that into the, yeah. the story. It doesn't have that. Can they ever get back to that? Isn't it so strange how every time we talk about Pixar, we're talking about it in terms of other Pixar films? <laughs> it's hard, though, because John Lasseter has been removed from the studio, uh, right? He got canceled, Ed, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Ed Catmull's more or less been removed from the studio. Pete Docter is really the only one of those people who's still there because Brad Bird won't stop making Mission Impossible movies. And, and so, like, that, that really core foundation of people that they had and Steve it's like Jobs we're, is dead. It's like we're looking at this this next generation of Pixar 
and, and, and I think good. that's what we've been seeing. And it's not to make a parallel. This is probably a false parallel, but it's like when you watch a Hayao Miyazaki film and then when you watch Earwig by Goro Miyazaki, where it's like like this generational, like learning all of this stuff from the original, but it's just trying to recapture that magic. And I don't know if we're getting, I think it's trying too hard to be like an original instead of leaning into the fact all those guys are gone. Pete's the only one left here. And looking at this like, all right, I'm Peter Sohn. What do I get to make without trying to be Pete Doctor, without trying to be John Lasseter? So they're getting in their own way. I, I think they're trying to live up to the legacy that they can't because they're not those people. Whereas if they just tried to live up to themselves, they could. I th that's that's my it, hot. Take. This actually happened with Disney. If you'll remember, Disney obviously, and you go in the very early days of Disney, was like, oh my God, Disney was was completely magical. Sure. Snow White, right? And then it Cinderella. hit that wall where it, it seemed like all the animators were coming up with ideas of like, how do we match what Disney was already doing? Pretty much after Aladdin, right? Yeah, and then it took a while to catch their like their second wind, if you will, as a studio, really? where it was like all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, you know, here's the Little Mermaid, here's so on and so forth. Oh no, there was an, there was another lag after that. Yeah, totally. I mean, because like they didn't they didn't even pick it back up again until like you get tangled. Oh yeah, there was a I, whole bunch of stuff that, that that's sucked. closer to our time. But I'm talking even before the Little Mermaid. I'm talking like in the you know they they lost their groove Where? In, like, in the eighties. They 80s. were killing it. Nah, they weren't killing it. I think they were. No, Back that was like Little one. Mermaid. I do think that there was like a, at least a silver era around then, um, like the 80s to 90s, I actually. And it's hard for me because that's like my most nostalgic is like the Mulan and the Herculeses of it all. But yeah, those are awesome films. I know, but Tarzan that was is back. pretty good. I'm saying like uh, even the '70s, like because Snow White, oh, like White, Pete's Dragon, yeah, like Black Snow Cauldron. White, yeah, like Snow White and all those were like we're talking like the 1930s, the 40s was the early like golden era of Disney and then it seems like the 60s and 70s there isn't a, a ton of great stuff and then it comes back with Mulan and and everything else you're missing a few a, decades there. I'm oh, a diehard Xerox era stan as well so, so I love me some jungle I love me some Robin Hood yeah uh, jungle, jungle book, book is in Hood. there there, there are bangers. some great cuts in there Listen. Anyways, we're going to It doesn't matter when you place their lull. They had a lull, maybe maybe a couple of lulls, and then they brought it back. I think it was and, the purchase of Pixar that helped them bring it. And back. I would honestly go so far as to say that the stuff that Disney Animation is doing is better uh, than where Pixar. They, when they were ripping off Pixar, and that's what I'm talking about because they've made Moana is very clearly iterative of Pixar, but it's Disney Animation, and it's. Awesome. Here's the thing. We get these films. Like, Ancanto was way better than Luca was, and I'm actually higher on uh, Luca than I debatable. am on this film, personally. I take. I like Luca a lot. I was thinking about Luca the other day. I was I was trying to rank the Pixar films with Parker. I, I Luca has actually risen in my book. Uh, Coco versus Ancanto, I, I say Coco. No, Coco. no. Coco and I, between Coco and Ancanto, what was the one? I didn't compare it to that. I mean, but also the Frozen films are Disney, which are... Not right, Pixar. So Disney um, buys Pixar to kill Pixar to make Disney look better again. Because no, and that's I what I think. I'm saying. So I think they're taking the lessons and leaning into these like, how do we learn what the foundation of Pixar has been and make it us instead of as a very optimistic. That's that's my stance on it. But again, I think that the Disney animation 
post I wouldn't count Tangle in it. I would say maybe Frozen was when they that started was the picking beginning. up their game. It was Tangled. I don't like Tangled is why. I'm like warm on Tangled, but not hot. Uh but yeah, I, I think they're these other animators who aren't trying to live but, up to this are doing better. But speaking of the animation, so let's bring it back to Yeah, let's right. Let's, let's bring it back to Elemental. The animation here, it, it really boggles my mind how good the damn animation has gotten. So good. We are in a golden era here. I mean, we just saw Spider-Verse. That's totally different, and that's an amazing animated film. And it's just like, as we were talking last week on, on The Jaw, it's it's art. I was calling it art house cinema it was, was my movie poster quote. Here, it belongs in a gallery. Here, it's completely different. But man, is the animation spectacular. I mean, the fire never stops moving. The water never stops moving. We're talking every single frame. It's there, There's something happening and fluid inside these characters' bodies the entire time. It's, it's quite spectacular to see. It really is. And the colors that they are able to produce when they go to these. Vibrant. And they, I know they've done it in Coco when they went to the land of the dead. These like kind of like sprawling, like, jaw-dropping moments and i'm not saying that just because we're cinema jaw literally you're in the theater like jesus this looks incredible there's a couple of them here when they they go to the city or when she's uh, blowing the glass and standing on the 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 glass on the beach and it's changing the colors of the fire inside her body pretty incredible stuff man it was yeah i mean visually this movie is uh, you know top notch uh, is it as good as some of the others i don't know if we should even compare it it's, it's as good as it is, and I thought it was really, really good. Is One it, of the things that I really like about it, too, is that because it's got this identity around the four different elements, um, there are completely different textures that have been gone into creating the, the, the character design alone for this, right? Like, there there's, like, almost a cell shade effect. Yeah. Uh, where where the fire characters are always kind of outlined with different highlight and darken colors, uh, and then obviously the water is very fluid. Uh, but right, the, the, the texture air. of the clouds is very cottony. That's hard to pull off and making cohesive. Right, to and make it, it cohesive. fits. Yeah, right. It's not looking like this like modge podge of whoever. It's like all of these people would live together, and this is an appropriate visual difference that's really cool one one nitpick i have here is uh obviously uh ember is made of fire and it's played for laughs that a lot of things that she touches would just burn up but it, it didn't hold all the way through I knew you were yeah gonna pick, i knew you were gonna nitpick this it, it, it does drive me nuts like if you're gonna play it for a laugh that she can't touch this because it's it's going to go up in, in flames, then how is she able to pick up the pad and paper and write notes in, in one scene? They're, they're little, go with it, Ryan. I know, but well, just little things. I mean, you need that detail in there. And to Ryan's point, some of the times they are listening to that because the clothing that the fire people will wear is made stone. out of fire retardant materials. Right. The boats that like the, the fire people will come on is steel so that it does not burn right and they're applying these ideas. ideologies in right. some places just not in others right because you need artistic license because pe people made of fire can't actually exist in any right. world I, I i get it i get it but i'm just saying a slight nitpick as far as the music goes we got to talk about uh the music phil you're a big fan this was his i believe fourth time doing a pixar score this was who scored it thomas newman 
Yeah, Thomas Newman. Okay. Uh, I think nephew of Randy Newman. I was going to ask. And he's worked with Pixar numerous times. I thought the music was outstanding in the movie. Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Newman. Um, I thought the music was outstanding. Was and there great. were a couple of times it really moved me. And uh, we joked because we obviously just saw this, uh, that at least me and Phil did while we were waiting for, for Matt, that maybe not necessarily uh, a sign of a great movie, but it was very moving. There were parts where it got us emotionally stirring and I was like yeah I mean it it, it worked it's a very love story. romantic it's very. a love story and is it Pixar's best love story putting you on the spot hmm. I'm trying to think of the there is another great great one there is and I know you're gonna say Wally right and you can also make a case for up but up is also really ultimately kind of depressing because it's it's not about a love story it's about it's a grief end. yeah yeah the loss of love um yes I had the uh I had the the pleasure of seeing this with my wife. My whole family was in the the studio or the theater with us. And afterwards, you know, we kind of held hands and <laughs> hugged. It was it was it was romantic. The Is this Pixar's best love story? I say yes. Wow. All right. So what do you on... got? What do you got? Well, I was going to say it's it's Wally would Wally's be my pick. good, but it's not human, right? I agree, but it's still a beautiful love story. It is uh, tougher to Obviously, relate to. Obviously, elemental isn't human either. They're elements. True, but they're people. They're not robots. They're not machines. They're ele- elements, but but they do call each other people. I, I will say that I found Ember kind of hot. I know that that there might you go. yeah that might be you know. Risque to say, but I, I really was I was really she, smitten for of her. all the she had thing. a swivel in her. Yeah, yeah. What I will say, the only ones because I am the first person to notice when anthropomorphized characters can and cannot be hot. The only character designs where they were like, we're gonna make this rule thirty fourable, was the fire people. The only ones who could be hot were the fire people. Oh, I disagree. I, I thought the water people had something. Really? Yeah, sure. I didn't think the water people had anything. I mean, they're, they're kind of even dumpy. A good looking. All right, guys, we are not having this conversation. <laughs> well, I was into the fire people. I will right. say, yeah, especially no, Amber. I mean, she's. I mean, if if she's available, Pixar, get her on the jaw. Let's let's talk. Yeah, you know what I mean. Let's get her uh, get her number right. Do you got a jaw dropping moment? I wrote I wrote I wrote a couple down here. A jaw dropping moment for me in this movie would be the chase scene. Um, I don't want to don't want to spoil too much about exactly what it is, but there's a. A scene where Ember is riding along on her scooter. She got like a Vespa type thing, and I thought, "Wow, the animation in that scene was just like breathtaking." Yeah. In in fact, I had it written down in my handwriting. I'm sure you you saw it, and that's why you picked yours. Chase scene, but I actually, I, I genuinely didn't see that. Even even I got even more specific in the chase scene. Uh, she is on the Vespa at one point, but then they go on a. Uh, foot and they're chasing after each other and the water guy Wade cuts through the walls because he can because he's made of water and he cuts through the walls but fire can go through walls all, also it's, a, oh, it's like no, a different chase scene we're talking about oh oh yeah I'm talking about the one at the end okay I'm talking in the beginning when she's chasing after Wade at the, in the very beginning and they both go through that like a picture like a, a city uh Buildings very close together, but separated by you inches. know, yeah, six inches. They go through something like that, and then the animation cuts to their faces morphed into like six inch. You just sort of see their eyes going through the the brick uh, opening. I, I loved it. I, I also had that. So, yeah, I, that's a good one. I wasn't thinking about that in my head. I was gonna go for like because it is also an immigrant story. We've mentioned that. Um, 
I I loved that scene when they're all getting off of the boat. I think it's a really great introduction. One, the the very on the nose, fresh off the boatness of it. But seeing this is the boat that's coming from the fire people's place. This is the boat that's coming from, and like it really does a good job of introducing one what each of those nationalities are about, and then also like the melding of them into this one environment. I do that think it cool. did a really good job. And like the storyboardists put a lot of thought clearly into that, right? The, the air people are coming in on a Zeppelin and that's their boat. And right. Like how but, the people, but the even Zeppelin de- actually deflated right. when the air ca- came off and, and then it reflated when, yes. when, when more passengers got on cause it needed the air to like blow up really smart. And you got to look for that super kind of animation. Smart. Total attention. Super to smart. And like that. Yeah. Like, does an amazing job of letting you know the the differences between all these places and, and right off the bat, like, this is what we're about. At one point, Ember is uh, running, I think it might be during the chase scene, she opens up her umbrella and goes over like a, a, a water thing. And you got to think, like, what just happened there? But it's hot air it's rises. The hot air, yeah. It's the hot air from her body catching the umbrella, lifting her up over. But it's happening so fast, it's not like they're, they're going to slow it down for you. You just got to sort of pick up on the on the details i like that i did too and and i like i we talked about this briefly on our way out i like the fact that they don't like spell out what the subtext means like these different nationalities don't necessarily represent nationalities in the real world they do maybe but they don't necessarily like because i didn't know for sure what uh, the fire people were supposed to relate to in in our human world like were they Jewish people were they Chinese people were they Irish people they they make a lot of different cultural references that leave it ambiguous enough for them to just be fire people they're their own thing and that was that was cool I appreciated that yeah one one other detail I did want to bring up was uh, there was a really nice uh, speech uh, or moment I should say between um, Wade and Ember where she's on the the beach and she's feeling like deflated her personality is. And her whole entire yes. body yeah. started to go out because the flame was dying. God, was that a beautiful moment. That was so cool. And and like she just started getting smaller and smaller, like the flame was going lower. And then he says something very nice to her, and it like picks up her spirits, and her flame comes back. Just great, great yeah. animation. There's a lot of visual language in this movie. It, this is definitely top of the middle tier. Movie poster quote, Matt? Oh, man, put me on the spot. Yeah, well, I told you to write something down. All right. Nothing. I got one. We'll go to Phil first, then. Go to Phil. Uh, Nothing weird here. Just an animated movie, I guess. All right. It's a reference to the film. You guys don't remember the part I'm talking about? No. Yeah. It's funny. All right, well. Do you? Yeah. You get it? You're the only, they even reference it twice, and it's... This movie, what I will say oh, also, oh, this movie yes. is Chekhov's film. Like, everything they say in the first third comes back at some yes, point totally yeah that happens um i'll say hot <laughs> that's my quote yeah hot i went with uh you can see it on the poster the band earth wind and fire love this movie and you will too panned panned uh, this this was good how many jaws we give this thing i'm going three jaws i think this is a solid three jaw pixar effort i do recommend seeing it in the theater for the big screen bring the fam uh, uh yeah i mean matt 
Matt might get lucky tonight with. Uh, you know. I'm telling you, this is also a good date movie. <laughs> yes, I mean Matt was. It is. It's a rom com. Touchy feely with his wife it's, on his way out. Who it, knew? It's a rom com, right? It's 100 percent a rom com. Phil, how many jaws are you giving this thing? After Ryan just did that, I feel like such a jerk. Welcome I'm, to my world. I'm 1.5. Oh, well, I am. What? This is why Phil doesn't rate. Ju- I'm, we couldn't have great movies all the time. 1.5. I think it tries ah, to do too if much. If you said two think, and a half, I would have been like, okay. Jeez. I think uh, 1.5. 1. All right. 5. Okay. Wow. I'm going three jaws. Let's all bring right. it back up. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing. Wow. There's not I'm a lot. Wipe my brow. There's not a lot to, to criticize here. There was no. Big missteps. Unfortunately, it's in a, it's in a camp with some heavy, heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan and I were talking about this before the show started also. And in my book, right, because I, th- I think I was pretty high on the Venom films when we saw them. Right. <laughs> but, but you but gave this th- 1.5. What the heck and is wrong exactly, with you? And that's exactly, Ryan and I had said this before. We were talking to Heather. Expectations. And we'll talk to, ask Heather about this when you get home, Matt. The best thing you can be. I don't be, need to ask Heather about disappointment <laughs> and expectations. The best thing you can be is good. The second best thing you can be is awful. And the absolute worst thing you can be is kind of like unremarkable. Mediocre. Yeah. No, I and, agree with that. And that's this was where not I think, mediocre. I, I think it, I don't think it's exceptional. I'm not saying it's bad, but, but I don't if think it was it's... Illumination or DreamWorks. Would it be exceptional? Yes, it's only I don't know. in the context of Pixar that we 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 knock this down a peg. Mm. This was a great movie. I don't know. I Three think jaws. I would put Despicable. Three me jaws for Matt K. Three jaws for Ride the Movie Guy. One and a half jaws for Phil. Hey, that's how we play it. That's, Maybe that's I'm just becoming case. jaded. Who knows? Well, let us know what you think, Jawheads. Elemental also comes out on June 16th everywhere. Let us know. Write us an email, feedback at cinemajaw.com. Continuing on with our best worst theme, we thought we'd turn it to Pixar. We've yeah. been talking a lot of Pixar, so we may have already given away our, our picks in a way. Matt, we'll start with you. Best, give us best and worst. Okay, I'll give you best and worst, same time, rapid fire. Best, inside out. Worst, brave. Brave is worst. Brave is worst. I know you're probably going to have cars, either one, two, or three on your list. I think they're clever. They're fun for kids. So I went with Brave, which I don't think has any redeeming value. That's shock. I will un- fine. We'll unpack it. It's you. Phil can, you seems can pissed over there. I, I think mean, I might I like Brave more than this, to be honest. Red, redheaded little girls everywhere really identify with Brave, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> I think that we can. Right. We'll get a little later. I went best inside out. Also, sorry, Jawheads, but it is the best. Pixar film Probably. there is. Uh, worst, I went with Finding Dory. Really? I think it's just because of that, that one scene where the octopus drives the truck and you know it. I actually <laughs> love if that they scene. they didn't have that, Ryan would love it. I went Finding Dory. And you know, when I, I looked at it, I, we've never talked our worst Pixar. I was thinking maybe Cars 2. It's, it's, a, it's a crapper. Um, it's really not. But then I thought, what was I really disappointed with? Where, where did I go where I was like excited and I was really disappointed? That's why I and that's brave. Why, that's why I landed with Finding Dory. That's really? where I, I, yeah, that's where I put oh, my pick. I liked Finding Dory. What did you do, Phil? I'm glad that we're all in agreement here and that Inside Out, is the best. Yeah. We should get Brian Tallarico on just to like ruin our everything everywhere all at one fun. <laughs> uh, maybe he'll come in and say like oh, Inside Out is maybe like number three. Yeah. It's the best. It's so it good. Yeah. Uh, and then I I had 
I had worst at Cars too. I, it is a crapper, and I love Sasha Baron Cohen. I and I, to it's the not disa- that bad. to the disappointment angle, I did. I thought that like making it less about racing would have been cool, and bringing in like this kind of espionage. I I thought and making it more worldly. I thought that would make it cooler than the first one, and it didn't. And they to me, it was worse. Here's the thing. Cars 2, because even the Toy Story sequels were, like, artistic. Cars 2 is when we can honestly say there's the point at which Pixar sold out. It was totally commercial. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Fine. I agree with that. That is not a bad choice. Can't can't make a big argument against wow. it. It's good to get. It feels good for Phil to finally get it off his chest that Cars Two was the worst Pixar. Oh, I've been dying sucks. to tell people. <laughs> Brave sucked. All right, let's play some trivia here before let's we wrap it. up this podcast, Matt. I entitled this one "Flash Movie Trivia." That's all I'm saying. All right. All right. Three questions you need to get correct, not to be stumped. If you don't get three correct, we have stumped you, Kabinsky. Here we go. Question one. Are you ready? Flash ready. movie trivia. Ready. Which actress starred as Terry Doolittle in the 1986 film Jumpin' Jack Flash? Whoopi Goldberg. That is correct. He is on the board, folks. Good flick. Great movie. I was going to ask. It was, it, and um, who's, seen who's it. the mustachio I'm guy? I'm missing that one. Um, from Roadhouse and, and uh, Big Lebowski. Oh, Sam Elliott's in there. Yeah. Nice. Great movie. I have not seen it, so. Uh, qu- Matt, one for one, question two to you. Before they were The Flash, Ezra Miller appeared in Trainwreck, which comedian turned actress starred in the film? Before they were The Flash, Ezra Miller appeared in Trainwreck, which comedian turned actress starred in the film? Amy Schumer. That is correct. Matt is rolling, rolling, two for two. Question three. In 2015, the film Ricky and the Flash, written by Diablo Cody, Meryl Streep plays a musician who comes home. Which actor played her ex-husband Pete in the film? I have no idea. None. None She plays like a rock star. I, I have not seen this movie either. Ricky and the Flash. And Diablo Cody. I know. Meryl Streep, which actor plays her ex-husband? I'm just going to take a stab in the dark. Try to find somebody like mildly close to her age that that you know, if she's a rock star, maybe she marries younger and gets a trophy husband um I don't know, like Rob Lowe. We were looking for Kevin Klein. Yeah, he's a Rob Lowe type. <laughs> Not as handsome though. That's debatable. Mm. Matt's two for three, so... Klein's a looker. All you need is one more here. All right. What year was Flashdance Flash Dance released? Oh, I knew I knew this would come up. What year was Flashdance Dance released? She's, she's a maniac, uh, and she's dancing like she's never danced before. So that song came out in... Oh, man. This was like the mid-'80s. It was before Ghostbusters, which was 1986, so Flashdance was was either 83 or 84 and I think I think it might be 83. That's my guess. 1983. Yes. He nailed it. Yes. 1983 for Flashdance. 
Wow, Matt has not stumped this week. He's got three out of four going. Last question over to you. Which actor starred in Flash of Genius, which was about the man and the legal battle he had over inventing the intermittent windshield wiper for Ford? Oh, wow. Okay, what's the question now? Who was in it? Yeah, what, which actor starred in Flash of Genius? This guy invented the intermittent yeah. windshield wiper. Right. I think it's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's who I want to say. It's something like that. Somebody on that level, though. We're looking for Greg Kinnear. Okay. <laughs> Entirely different level. Yeah, maybe. Greg Kinnear was on that level at one time. Yeah. Greg Kinnear was in it, but you are not stumped. You got three out of five All correct, right. Matt. Good. Nice. You know your flash. Hell yeah. Good stuff. Brings us to the end of a very fun, entertaining jaw. Our first in the Cinema Jaw Studios. This is this great. Is awesome. I yeah. love it. We got to thank Phil, editor, producer. Phil, thank you, buddy. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It's what I live for on a Thursday night. And it feels so great, right? They say right, I, I'm absorbing all of this environment, just waiting for us to get kicked out for being too loud, because that's exactly what we're going to do. It feels so good. It's never going to happen. We're, we, we own this place. Man. <laughs> yeah, they, we can't get kicked out of our own homes. They that's can't. Right. You're right. Also, a big thank you to the Patreons. Thank you for supporting us. It means the world to us. If you want to join us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash cinemajaw. Easiest way to do so. Another easy way to support us, Matt, is just by leaving us a review. Yeah, totally leave a review. Whatever podcast app you're using, especially if it's Apple Podcast, just like take your phone out of your pocket right now and click leave a review. You'd be surprised. It's free, and it helps us out a lot. So you can give us your honest opinion. Five stars are always welcome, but if it's less, that's fine. Just leave a review. We love it. And we'll read some of them. We'll read them on the show. Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on John about the movies. movies.